In the Steven Pinker book The Better Angels of Our Nature, a history of violence and an attempt to understand the darker side of humanity, the man who is the focus of today's show plays an almost starring role among the many of the other tyrants, criminals, and government-sanctioned sadists. He's sometimes called the worst mass murderer in the history of tyrants, but knowing the exact number of how many died due to his policies and those just murdered under the regime is not easy. That number is sometimes said to be about 40 million, sometimes we're told 45 million, and sometimes we're told even as many as 65 million. It's hard to even imagine such a thing, and we might be reminded of the phrase sometimes attributed to, there are doubters, the tyrant Joseph Stalin. A single death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. The reason the number of deaths changes, of course, is because getting access to records, if there is even a record of death. It's not easy, and it's also difficult to know who died as a direct result of Mao's policies and zero-tolerance attitude to critics. But historians haven't pulled the number out of hats, and there are ample, well-researched accounts of the devastation of Mao's policy. That was an excerpt from the infographic show talking about Mao Zedong, the man who founded communism in China. As stated above in the video, Mao was no saint. He changed his entire political and economic system in his country through hard work and determination. Unfortunately, though, there were some huge limitations that came with the economic and political system that he had installed. Starting with his political system, Mao's officials eventually became cruel and unforgiving even in the face of starving children, as there wasn't enough food to go around for anyone, and anyone that wasn't working was deemed unworthy of food. Anyone that was deemed a rightist as well was found in silence because they would challenge or could challenge his ideals in his government. Mao Zedong was okay with this though because early on he decided for himself that the ends justifies the means. Mao however even if he wanted to justify the means no matter what he would have to have been seen as a demigod and he was seen as one. Through propaganda and propaganda and propaganda, he made his people worship him as a demigod, if not more. That way, if he did something cruel and unforgiving, it was seen as okay because he would lead them down the right path. However, to shed light on some of the good things he has done, because he has done good things surprisingly, he lowered opium production, cut down on addiction, greatly improved education, healthcare, and women's rights under his leadership. Unfortunately though, under the banner of communism, there's a few issues he was unwilling or incapable of solving. Under communism, an extremist version of socialism, the central authority dictates the means and quantities of productions and places strict rules on businesses since they inherently are owned by that central authority. The central authority had to have so much power and keep that power, and in order to do so, they had to limit the freedom of speech. 
That way, there was no dissenting opinions that could criticize or ruin the power of the central authority, which in this case is the Chinese government and Mao Zedong. However, they quickly learned that central planning was difficult to achieve on so much land, and due to this fact, many people dissented, and it took an extra amount of time to get the Great Leap forward, which brought Mao Zedong's power into full extent a lot longer than it probably would have. Unfortunately, even after Mao's death, Communist China still stands to this day, and its people still have a lack of freedom. In the continent next door, though, the exact opposite was happening with a different man. Du, meine Arbeit für richtig hältst, ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig meine Zeit verwendet habe im Dienste meines Volkes. Gib du jetzt deine Stimme ab. Wenn ja, dann tritt für mich ein, so wie ich für dich eingesetzt bin. That man was none other than Adolf Hitler who had brought Nazism and fascism to his country. And through extensive propaganda, Hitler and his Nazi party rapidly swooned the frustrated country. He and the good extent of the country was frustrated with the outcome of the Great War that happened not too long ago, and most of the people felt that their political leaders had betrayed them and were nothing more than the November traitors. And with this realization, Hitler slowly worked his way up the political ladder and his party became more and more powerful. After gaining almost entire control over his government, Hitler made sweeping changes to ensure that he would have full control, and then after that he began silencing all those who would oppose his rule. Anyone that would be deemed as a socialist commie pig was unfortunately branded as an enemy of the state, and he would find them out through an elaborate and intricate web of informers, and after that they would be severely punished. He did this through creating an advanced ethic of ferocity, emphasizing the inequalities of humans, making those who are strong informers for his regime, and any of those who would oppose were weak individuals that were meant to be purged. He had done this in a pursuit to create the perfect race. While blurring the lines of all social classes, in reality it was just him remapping them so that any misfits found in his country could be purged. And all of these things he had done, he was able to do through an ideology called fascism. In 1925, Valois, leader of the Fashu, I don't know if I pronounced that correct, but it's worth a shot, declared that the guiding principle of his organization was the elimination of socialism and everything resembling it, almost in stark contrast to the communists that were doing the same thing with anyone deemed the right. Through many fascist regimes throughout history, one thing seems to be a common denominator. They aim to transform the ordinary man into a new man, a viral being who would put decadent bourgeoisie, cerebral Marxists, and feminine liberals to shame and bring great prosperity to their country. According to fascist propaganda, the government didn't do enough to stop the 1930s de depression, and instead, it was a lack of power for the lower middle class. And also, it was an increased amount of immigrants coming into their country, and the implication was that depriving these demons that were coming into their country and giving more power to the people that need it would cause the nation's major problems to go away.
However, their problems did not go away, and in many cases, their problems only got worse. The fascist needs for a pyramid of power and a communist needs for everyone to supposedly be on the same level are in direct contrast to each other. However, many historians agree to the validity of the two ideologies being counters to each other. I full-heartedly know that they are two extremes on the same coin that convinced an angry, discontent country into a social revolution in eerily similar manners, and yet the ideas that they pushed were in exact opposite sides of the political spectrum, but in the end, the results were the same, a lack of freedom for the people living in them.